Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm so glad you're back with me today. I hope you are having a great day, whatever it is that you're doing. We have a really exciting guest with us this week. Her name is Amy Sloan, and this is part of our Homeschool Survival Series. I know you guys have been tracking with us as we've been in the middle of this series, and it's been really fun just to be able to share with you some different ways to home educate your kids. But before we jump into that, I want to thank our sponsor, CTC Math. They are a fantastic online math curriculum. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, go to ctcmath.com. You will not be disappointed. Amy Sloan, welcome to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am super excited to have you with me this week. Thank you so much for having me, Yvette. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, this is fun. It, uh, before we jumped on together, I said I always love getting to podcast with other podcasters. And so you are the host of the Homeschool Conversations podcast, where you talk about classical education, correct? Well, classical, among other things, I love to bring a wide range of educators, uh, homeschool moms, dads, and and really explore all the different ways that we can learn from one another, that there's not just one right way to homeschool. Yeah, I love that you say that. And that's part of this series that we're doing is really to show parents that there is not just one right way, that there are so many different options for us as homeschool parents. And I think I learned more and more that, you know, a lot of people are really more eclectic in their approach to homeschooling. And by eclectic, I really mean that for some, you know, classical works most of the time, but maybe they put a little Charlotte Mason in there, or maybe they do a little bit of unschooling, or maybe a little bit of textbook schooling. And whatever works best for your family, that is what you should do. And so as part of the Homeschool Survival Series, we are laying out for these families all the different methods to home educate their kids. And it doesn't mean you have to use only this one method, but today and the rest of this week, we're going to talk with Amy about classical education. So Amy, introduce us to your family and what you do and who you are. Yeah, so like you said, I am a podcaster, the Homeschool Conversations podcast. I write at humilityanddoxology.com. I have five children, so my youngest is not so young anymore. He's six, about to turn seven, all the way up to 16. And uh, my husband and I are actually both second-generation homeschoolers. So I was homeschooled all the way through high school graduation and my husband through seventh grade. And we knew going into marriage that we wanted to homeschool our kids and uh, we've been enjoying it. It's definitely the hardest and good thing that I do both at the same time. Yeah. Yep. I say that all the time. It, it is it is hard to homeschool, but man, it is such a blessing and anything worth doing is going to be hard, right? Marriage, parenting, yeah. homeschooling, it's, it's all hard in some ways, but the blessings that come from it are overwhelming. And um, and so we are here to help you parents homeschool. So let's jump into this topic of classical education. Explain to our audience exactly what classical education is. And then we're going to dig a little bit deeper into what that might mean for their family. I am so excited to get to chat about this topic in particular, because I think maybe classical education more than some of the other Uh, methods of homeschooling can be filled with a lot of jargon. And if you aren't familiar with it and you're talking to someone, all of a sudden they're throwing around terms and you have no idea what they're talking about. 
So it can kind of be off-putting there from the from the get-go. Um, but I think I'm really fortunate because as a second-generation homeschooler, I kind of like to say I was classically educated before it was cool, before <laughs> you know it was sort of a common word that was thrown around a lot, or or people had certain preconceived notions about it, and so. Um, that really has set me up for the way I approach classical education with my own kids. So, of course, classical makes us think like the classics, you know, the ancients. And we're like, oh, that seems a little snooty, but okay. Um, but what those men in ancient times really focused on when it came to education was thinking about the whole person. So it wasn't about filling people's minds with a bunch of facts and knowledge. It was really about uh, growing virtue, thinking about what it meant to be a good human. Now, of course, as a Christian, I have no desire to raise, uh, you know, smart pagans. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you might think, well, what does that have to do as a Christian homeschooler? What does that have to do with our approach to education? While the early church took these ideas and really, as you see the history of the church uh, from the beginning through the Middle Ages and beyond, they took this idea and said, well, this really is what the Bible teaches us about raising our children in the discipline and nurture of the Lord. And that term there is that paideia. So it's this idea of enculturation or like fitting our children into this culture. Now, for the Greeks, you know, they wanted to raise good Greeks. But for the Christian, we want to raise men and women who love the Lord their God mm -hmm. and who love their neighbor. So if we kind of take a step back and think big picture, really what classical Christian classical education, I should say, because I kind of do like to differentiate it sure. a little bit, um, with Christian classical education, we really are thinking about the whole person. We're not wanting to just raise kids who can rattle off a bunch of information, impress people with a book list, but we're thinking we want them to believe what is true, to love the things that are good, and to desire the things that are lovely, to really um, to be raised in virtue and to be good humans as they grow into adulthood who love God and love their neighbor. Yeah, love it. So it is, as you talk about the difference between Christian classical, what would you see on the other side of it? I mean, is there even a secular classical? I'm, how, what would that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. And actually, there has been kind of this resurgence of ideas about classical education, liberal arts education, the humanities, these terms we kind of hear thrown around. And so there actually is kind of a resurgence of people who are, are secular educators who don't come from a Christian background, but who are trying to use those same ideas that have worked for education. This is the, the really the traditional way of education set aside against, you know, a modern progressive idea of education. Um, and I, I think one of the problems with that is they can ask a lot of really good questions, like what makes a good man? You know, how do we pursue virtue? Right. But apart from Christ, you're going to have incomplete answers. Right. So not that those, you know, educators aren't, aren't doing good, good work. Um, but as a, as a believer, I find that insufficient. You know, I don't want to just 
raise someone who thinks they're good. I want them to see Christ as the good man to repent right. and to be humble there and then to to seek to follow him. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it seems like when the world looks at goodness and they look at kindness and they look at the whole person of being a good person, you know, most people, of course, will say, especially if they're not a follower of Christ, they'll say, I'm a good person. And what they mean by that is I do good things. I give to charities or I feed the homeless or I'm nice to people, but they're not looking at it in the sense of how am I serving Christ in his kingdom? Right. right. And so that that is, as I'm hearing you speak, that is really where I would see that that line drawn of either you're being a good person, trying to become a good person to please yourself and to look good to others, or you're doing it to please the Lord only. Yeah, I think it's so important that our theology, right, what we believe mm-hmm. about God, influence our anthropology, what right. we believe about man. Right. And then, of course, those two things come together in our philosophy of education. So if you if you have a poor foundation, um, it's going to lead to some problems in your right. educational approach, too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. As we try to impart a biblical worldview in our children and equip them to be salt and light in an increasingly secular culture, we need tools to explain how the scriptures mold our view of every subject we teach. We need homeschool curriculum that shows how the Lord rules over everything we learn while stretching our children to follow Him wherever He leads. Learn how BJU Press Homeschool has served thousands of Christian homeschool families just like yours by visiting BJUPressHomeschool.com. Are you ready to restore our constitutional republic? Patriot Academy is on the front lines of the mission to educate, train, and inspire millions of citizens to know and live their freedoms. With courses and materials from America's Constitution coach, Rick Green, Patriot Academy's Constitution training will equip you to be a leader in your community. You don't have to know anything about history, the Constitution, or the law to get started. The courses and coach training are free. Find a class today or sign up to be a Constitution coach at patriotacademy.com. Again, that's patriotacademy.com. We are back with Amy Sloan. Um, You mentioned in the first half that you had been educated um, at home growing up and that you were doing classical before classical was cool, (laughs) before it was all the cool kids are doing it. And whether that is through homeschooling or attending a classical school, I know that those are, you know, just springing up all over the place, all over the nation. What was it about classical education that your mom liked, even though she didn't have that term maybe for it? What did that look like for you as a child? So I'm so thankful for the home education that I received. Um, What it looked like in my family of origin, which definitely is influencing the way I educate my own children, is a diet rich in good books. So very few textbooks, lots and lots of wonderful literature, um, seeing how the subjects related to one another and then how all of those subjects, you know, what that taught us about about God and his work and um, how we were to think Christianly about the world. So that I think primarily is something that I really look back on fondly, not seeing separate subject boxes that were somehow distinct from one another. Like you would open one book and be like, okay, now close the history. It's time to, you know, study literature, but to see how everything was connected. 
um, when I was in high school is when there were a lot of new books that were being written and there was sort of this new interest about classical education. And I remember reading them as a teenager. And of course, I don't know, maybe this was just because I was extra sinful, but I was like, oh, wow, wow, my mother has really fallen short. (laughs) (laughs) And this idea, like, I'm going to do things so differently with my children. Um, And then really, as the years went by and I started doing a little bit more research, not just reading modern books, but reading a wider range of ideas, um, I started to realize just how much the way my mom had approached our education, focusing on ideas, seeing the connection of subjects, um, really had been classical all along. Yeah. So how do you make that connection? Um, if you know, you're know you wanting to teach, you've got five kids between the ages of six and 16. And so I don't imagine that you teach every single one of them separately and that you have a separate book for every one of them. You know, you're reading a different classic to each of them. I imagine that you use more of a one-room schoolhouse approach. How do you make those connections in a really practical way between all of your children? Well, again, if we go back to this sort of classical idea about um, education being a about understanding what it means to be human, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Our education is really biographical focused. So um, history is very important to me. I love it. And it really has become kind of the core, not just history by itself, dates and dead people, but this idea of culture, a story Mm -hmm. of people um, is really at the core of the way I educate my kids. And so that is also something that's very easy to do across multiple ages and grades. And so a lot of, I don't want to try to force the connections. I think if you try to force connections, a lot of times kids just zone out or it doesn't really stick. But as we're just reading widely, reading about all these real people, real um, experiences, movements of culture, ideas, music, art, all those things as they intertwine together, those connections start being made almost without you realizing it. Be like, oh, this reminds me of this other thing. Or, oh, do you see how that person's decision here impacted this thing around the world over there? So I think a lot of those connections kind of arise organically just as you're reading and talking together. Sure. And they all have a different understanding of whatever it is that you're studying. And so it's interesting to see it's how different kids of different ages understand differently but you might have a 10-year-old that understands geography better than your 15-year-old, right? Okay. Because they're just wired that way. That's just how God has created them to be. And so I think that's such a great way to educate our kids. And then they pick up the things that the Lord wants them to pick up because he's made them all with a specific gifting or strength or ability to learn the things that he wants them to learn. Um, and then they can ha- they can teach each other, right? Yeah. I mean, you're Olders can teach your youngers and your youngers can teach your olders, depending on what it is that they're pulling out of whatever it is that you're teaching them. Um, As you're thinking about classical education and as you talk to people about it, I'm certain that people have all all kinds of misconceptions about what classical education is. What are some of the misconceptions um, that people might have when they think about classical education? And why do you think they have those? Well, you may have noticed that so far I haven't used the word trivium yet. Yeah. I haven't talked about <laughs> I noticed <where>. that actually. <laughs> that was on purpose. Um, because I do think, of course, these ideas of the seven liberal arts 
the trivium and the quadrivium there, I'll throw in some jargon, um, are often what first come to mind when people think about classical education. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of ideas about them have become, um, maybe a little confused or applied differently now in modern times than they have been understood, uh, historically when it comes to education. So I think one misconception, for instance, with grammar, logic, and rhetoric, the trivium, would be that they refer to three stages or ages of development. Um, that's how a lot of uh, newer classical education kind of thinks of it. And we, of course, we know like children have different developmental stages, right? Yeah. Um, right. Which they do. And we, as good parents, as good home educators, are, are aware of that and work with them where they are. But historically speaking, that's not what the trivium was all about. So the liberal arts um, were tools of learning and not uh, not stages of development and not subjects to be learned. So okay. it's a little bit tricky, but that is, I think, one misconception. Um, another misconception, I think, would be that classical education is maybe a little bit snooty or just for people who want to impress other people with their uh, their extensive knowledge or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can be, I think that is a misconception because sometimes that is where our sin nature comes out, unfortunately, as, as classical educators. But I think a true understanding of Christian classical education actually drives us to humility. One of my mentors, Dr. George Grant, talks about education as a form of repentance. He's a Christian classical educator. And so to truly come with a with a posture of humility mm -hmm. is actually the sign of a good Christian classical education. And then, I don't know, I think one more thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I was going to say when it comes to humility, we're talking about students and teachers, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. In fact, if a teacher comes in and is like trying to press down their 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 students, you know, in our case, our children, like yeah. you've got to be humble. And yet we are modeling for them an arrogant attitude yeah. towards the subject matter that we're learning or towards other people who maybe are approaching it differently than we are, or, oh, horrors, homeschooling differently than we do. You know, our children are going to pick up on that. And um, we as parents need to model repentance, first of all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I totally interrupted you. you oh, that's okay. Something else. <laughs> I just get excited about these yeah. things and just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but I, this is one I think that is really important to address because um, another kind of misconception might be that classical education is just concerned about Western European um, culture and that uh, we're not really concerned about the rest of the world. And again, a misconception perhaps because that has been misapplied uh, mm -hmm. in the past. Um, I'll, I hope later on to share some book titles, but one I'll yep. just mention here is The Liberal Arts uh, Tradition by Kevin Clark and Robbie Jane. And one of the things I loved about this book is they talked about the growing classical Christian education movement in China and oh, how wow. these, uh, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just, just thinking about it. Um, and you might think, well, what are they connecting to if this is about, you know, dead Europeans from a long time ago? Like, what is it about Christian classical education that appeals to them? Well, remember, as Christian classical educators, our idea of passing on culture is not just the culture of our country, although we are 
you know, citizens who love our country. And of course, that's part of it. But we're concerned primarily with the culture of the church. That's our family. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so we are family with these people all around the world. And so actually, I think that uh, this idea of what it means to be human, this idea of learning from the past, coming with a posture of humility, that is outside cultural bounds. You know, ideas about wanting to understand truth, to gain wisdom, the fear of the Lord, to love things that are lovely, whether it's art or music or architecture, that doesn't have anything to do with Western culture per se as culture, you know, that you can find that all where God has created image bearers. And so that's something that's important. As I educate my kids, like I really try to include um, a a broader view within our classical education. That's awesome. All right. We are going to be back on Wednesday and we're going to continue talking about classical education, what it is, what it might look like in your home. Um, Amy's going to actually give us some really practical tips on how you can implement classical education into your home. Amy, where can people find out more about you again? You can find me at humilityanddoxology.com and find Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds great. We'll put those links in the show notes. If you guys have not yet left a review for this podcast, we would love it if you would do that. Thank you for those of you who have done that already. It is such a blessing to us and it really does help to get the word out. You know, right, Amy, as a podcaster, those reviews are huge. They are so helpful because when people are searching for homeschool podcasts, We need these podcasts to come up to the front where they're seeing, okay, this is where the encouragement is. This is where truth is being told. So make sure that you are doing that. Thank you for those who have. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you guys back here on Wednesday. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts and we say, this is what you do step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.